Black Arts in the Podcast. Coming back at you. We're just here to... We're just, we're just talking. We're just talking. We're just talking. Uh, me, Fletcher, joining me as always. Me. Mr. Whitehead. Uh, Whitehead, I'm going to let you go ahead and let everyone know what movie we watched. Well, we watched uh, a classic, a modern-day classic called The Hateful Eight by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and yeah, the Hateful Eight and his eighth film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, it's his eighth. I was say, I, I didn't even uh, notice that until it said the eighth film at the end uh, by Quentin Tarantino. Obviously, we love Tarantino here. We've done a few of his in the past, uh, Django and Glorious Bastards, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and this, uh, this is one I haven't seen more than, I think this is probably the third time I'd ever watched it. Yeah, this is like a probably fifth or sixth time one for me. Yeah. Uh, just because it was always on Netflix. Yeah, and so I, I, I have a Blu-ray, and I remember going to theaters and watching this movie and really loved it. And I want to say last time we were watching it, watching it, I turned to Fletcher and was like, man, this movie just does not compare to like watching it on the big, like watching it on my TV oh, yeah. to the big screen. Like, yeah, we went, me, you, and uh, Dylan saw in theaters, and it was always a very fun theater experience, I thought. Yeah, it's a great, great, great uh, theater movie. Which all is his. All is his. All is his. All of his are good, usually, I think, in theaters. Ah, oh, man, his are just good in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, they're always fun theater watches, though. Yeah. Because, like I said, I, I lucked out and had a really good uh, crowd in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and everyone was just really laughing their ass off the end. But uh, do we want to go beat for beat to talk about this one a little bit? Ah, but no, I don't really want to get too much into the story. But I mean, we can just talk about parts we liked. Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, I remember saying in the January, I've always, I really enjoyed this one. Like, I feel like a lot of people when this one came out, not saying it wasn't loved, but people were like, oh, it wasn't as actiony as Django. But I kind of liked the slow burn of it, and I've always enjoyed this one. Feels like it could very easily be a play. Yeah, which I mean. The majority of it takes place in a single room. Yeah, it takes them a second to get to that room. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of in that camp. Like, I wish it had been a little more action-y, but for what it was, just, you know, mainly taking place in one location, plenty of action. I mean, enough action. Yeah, for me, it was one of those things, like, again, at the time, like, right when it came out, it seemed like the consensus was from, like, the critics that it just wasn't as fun as Django. But I was just like, shit, this feels like classic Tarantino to me. For me, it was Reservoir Dogs, but like Minnie's Habitatory, kind of. Yeah. And like, it had been cool if they had leaned into the, I guess, detective mystery side of it, of like uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character. Um, what, what was his name? Uh, uh, Major Ma- Warren. Warren. Yeah, Major Warren putting the pieces together because he does, but then he kind of just sits back and. Watches some things unfold. Yeah. Um, yeah, they could have done more who done it with it. Yeah, like that that would have been an inter- interesting take. But they really didn't do that. They didn't have to because it was a great movie. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, the trailers say that uh, someone's working with her. Like, that, that was the kind of hook in the trailer, if I remember. It was Kurt Russell being like, someone's working with her. But they didn't say how many or who. Yeah, which I, I don't really remember the trailers for this movie. I just remember that was, I was excited just because I was like, ooh, because I too thought like, this is going to be kind of a... I just saw the cast list and was like, oh, this is... I think cast list and like maybe the uh, promotional picture of it, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, I was... Uh, 
I mean, I'm always curious when he does anything, not that he does a whole, whole lot, but I was really excited. Not, I remember he, he thought about not making this because the script leaked at one point, like years before, mm. but he ended up changing some stuff around, and he still did it because he, he talked about doing it as a novel or something, but I'm still glad he made the movie, like... I mean, it, it would. It, this would be a, a good read too. Oh yeah, like I said, it's got that slow burn. Yeah, and they could have. They could have like fleshed out a lot more, like the more of the Domingue Gray uh, gang. Yeah, or like or pretty much they could have just like dedicated huge portions of the book for like other people's backstories. Like maybe mm-hmm. start with him hunting Domergu down. To begin with, like how he got her. Yeah, and then once they introduce Major Warren, you know, spend a couple chapters focusing on him and his history. And I know, uh, at least with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they did like a movie, or like a, they did a novella that went along with the movie. That, I mean, it was just a movie, but it did have a couple of more back excerpt things like you're talking. Hmm. Like I, I, I read I, an article I, like, I know that. yeah, it's just the movie, but every now and again it'll trail off like, oh, this isn't something they didn't put in the movie, but... Like, apparently, like, Book Cliff is a little bit harder than Movie Cliff because they have, like, one small excerpt chapter about him, like, murdering the fuck out of some mobsters and just laughing his ass off. And I was like, it's cool. It was, like, some article I found on MSN hmm. one day at work. But, um, yeah, I will say uh, this Hateful Eight, though, made Snow look so cool. Yeah. In all beautiful uh, 70 millimeter, I believe so we shot this in. Yeah, I believe so. Keep uh, it going, sir. I got a power cord. Oh, okay. Technical, we're having a little technical difficulties. Um, Ain't nothing too big. But yeah, like, I can't, there's really nothing bad to say about this movie other than, I mean, like Fletcher said, it's, it's kind of a slow burn, which for me, I sort like, of expect with him too sometimes. Yeah. Because uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, nowhere near as much action as I initially thought might be in the movie. But it worked. But it worked. It didn't need it. Um, the characters are too interesting, which that's his thing. He has really good, interesting characters. Yeah, which everyone in this movie is pretty interesting. And, well, you know, plus or minus a few other characters. Or I guess that's just their little cover story. Kind of lame, but... really, I guess, Not really just lame, just not much there. But you come to find out, it's, you know, fake fucking cover story, so... That's how that rolls out. Uh, he just he just gets a lot out of his actors, I guess. Yeah. Which stellar cast, fucking Roth came back. Yeah, and we missed, yeah. In, in Pulp Fiction with Clinton. Yeah, Mr. Orange, got Mr. Blonde, Michael Madsen, uh, Samuel Jackson's in it. You Always know. a QT regular. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell came back. Uh, the uh, oh, the Australian chick. Oh, uh, or New Zealander, uh, oh, yeah. Zoe, uh, cannot remember her name, she's, she's in Death Proof. She, she, well, she's also in, uh, she's Once, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's in that too. She's, she's in, Kurt Russell's wife. wife. And she's a director wife. She's one of those weird people that lived on Candy's land on the outskirts in Django too. You just don't see her face. Oh. I, I didn't know she was in that movie. Yeah, I mean, you don't see her face, but like you see her eyes. I don't know why. They, she, she's the chick that never took her sash off. Do not remember. I, it's when Django gets out of the, the dynamite, whatever, and or gets free from those miners, and he goes back and murders. First thing he does, he murders like that group of people that lived on the outskirts of Candyland that worked for Calvin. 
She's one of them. Oh. She just okay. never takes off. A, it's like when he busts up and shoots that guy in the bathtub in the dick and starts fucking up. She's one of that whatever clan. Oh, She's okay. one of them. They just show a close-up of her eyes at one point, and you're like, oh. But she's credited later. And she's, a, she's a stunt person that Quentin just likes a lot and then started putting her in stuff. Because you, you never saw Death Proof. That's the one you've never seen as, right? No. Yeah, she's in that one. She's one of the main chicks of the secondary group in that one. But she's playing like a version of herself. Oh, okay. Essentially. I cannot remember her last name for the life of me right now. That's fine. I don't even know her first name. Yeah, and uh, we were both... Uh, we just got to talk about this just for a second because I brought it up to Matt because I didn't know. But uh, the guy that plays Sweet Dave is in Chappelle's show is the cop that is uh, recording Tron in the bit where Dave Chappelle's like, I wonder what would it be like if a crack uh, dealer got treated like a Wall Street executive getting a, uh, indicted, which is always a good Chappelle show bit. Yeah, and Fletcher also brought up that he was the, uh, the cult leader in the Sacrament. Which is a good uh, horror movie for anyone out there that haven't seen it. Yeah, which is, oh man, we. I thought about it a little bit last night when, after you'd said it, because I, I I do really like the sacrament, and it's been it's been I've only seen that movie like twice. It's been a while since. I've I only ever seen. watched it one time with you. Um, I think I watched it alone, then ended up showing it to a few people. I, I just know I watched it with you, that but I don't remember if anyone else was here. I just know it was over here, and it's but it's been like around the time it was still newer-ish. Hold on, I, I'm gonna put the mic down. Go ahead, he's putting his mic down. He's looking for a copy of the Sacrament, I think, in his DVD rack. Oh my God. Oh my God, there's a spider in the house. Get him. Get him. Sorry, we had a spider, everyone. It's dangerous podcasting. It happens. It's getting colder out there trying to come in. You eat them. Oh, Matt will be back momentarily. He's flushing the spider right now, I believe. Oh, you don't even get a flush? You get, can you get through? Sorry, man. No, yeah, like you got so intent. I thought you were looking for a copy of that DVD. No, I do not own the Sacrament. Okay, yeah, as I said, I thought we watched it on Netflix, but back to Hateful Eight. Nice little surprise in here. Nice little cameo, Channing Tatum. Yeah, and that's what I kind of wish there was just more to this movie, just to see his character, Jody Moore. Yeah, or just really, you know, the rest of the Domingue uh, clan. Domingue gang. Yeah, because like. That would be, like, if they had added, I don't know, another 40 minutes to the movie, they could have given them some backstory, which, I mean, you do, you do get to see them setting up the whole charade, but even this them planning it beforehand, like them catching word that she's been captured and them mobilizing, like, that would have been a, Interesting. a cool thing to, to see, because they don't explain how they ever even knew she got captured. No. And it's not like you could have just grabbed a cell phone back then and told him, like, oh, shit, uh, Daisy got captured, Jody. Like, back then, like, someone would have had to be firsthand present 
it sent a message somehow. Yeah. And then for them to cut him off to know where he's going. Well, I guess he had sent a message to Red Rock. That he, I guess that's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, they just like showed more of their little gang's backstory. I think that could have been added to the movie. Yeah. Really nothing else. Also, too, uh, what happened to the old sheriff in Red Rock? We never even see Red Rock. Yeah, as much as it gets brought up. Uh, and hell, and we never really even get confirmation that he is going to be, that Walter Goggins is claiming to be the new sheriff. We, we don't know. We never get that confirmed. Yeah, I, I just always assumed because he, I always assumed because he never, you think toward the end he would have been like, oh yeah, by the way, I was lie. I just assumed he was telling the truth. But again, I, we don't know. I could have totally seen him lying the whole time and just rolling with it. Because uh, he, ha- he has the integrity to stick by his lies where Major Warren doesn't. That's true. Because they, I mean, they have a conversation about it later. It's true. Because um, Major Warren, being Samuel Jackson, uh, being a black person in the... Uh, Cavalry? Ca- the what what, Cavalry what year would you, would you think this movie takes place? Like I can't remember the year, but I would have to say... Um, Several years after the Civil War. Yeah, at least 10 probably. So it's probably the 1870s, maybe early 1880s. Yeah, so he's, you know, a freed man. And he talks, he he tells people he has a letter. He has a correspondence from Abraham Lincoln. And uh, he uses it to disarm white people. And get on stagecoaches. Yeah, which he used to, you know, get out of a blizzard. And uh, really hurt Kurt Russell's feelings. So hurt. So fucking bad. But he, I mean, he legit looked hurt. Like, cause I want to say I remember in the theory, Dylan was like, damn, he is hurt. Yeah, because I mean, Walter Goggins is just dogging his ass. He's like, I can't believe you'd believe him. You dumb. Like, he is like, you dumb motherfucker. Yeah. Which he did make a good point. He's like, the guy was kicked out of the Cavalry and reprimanded. Yeah. Why would he have a, a correspondence with Yeah, Lincoln? why would it be a pin pal? But also, too, it could have happened before he got reprimanded. So I could see, too, why Kurt Russell might believe it, too, on one hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing for Kurt Russell is they lied about it seven, eight months prior. Oh, he yeah. mentions they had a shared steak dinner in Chattanooga. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that killed Kurt Russell more. That he believed this guy he met had the, that was a pen pal with Lincoln, which he wasn't. No. But like I, I could see why Kurt Russell would be kind of mad, but would also kind of believe it too, from having been told that story eight nine months or whatever prior. Yeah, um, and I guess probably also just angry that Walter Goggins, which he he does not like, uh, oh the Maddox boy. Yeah, uh, would probably I I would not want to take a ribbing from some asshole like that. I feel you. What? Oh my god. What? I think we've been recording with... Uh, damn it. Oh my god. With effects. Ah! <laughs> on the whole fucking time. We're leaving it. We're leaving it. I want to hear it. I do too. <laughs> god damn it. Spiders, this is not our night. Sorry, something's felt off the whole time. I, I, thought, was... I, thought you, I thought you had seen another spider. I was like, god damn it. No. I got, I got no. a fucking insect house. Oh my god, I'm retarded. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself for not hitting that button. 
<laughs> I was like, something's just not right. I mean, this is... Maybe the only done, second time we've ever fucked anything up. I, well, I was saying, this is years. the first time we've ever done this. Oh, yeah. That's why I want to keep it, because I bet it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I hope it's one that you can understand everything. I hope it's not. No, no, yeah. I, I don't even care. I just uh, want to hear it. God. How long have we been recording? Like 16 minutes. <laughs> I just realized. I was like, <laughs> the wave file looks good. I was like, something. I didn't do something right. I was like, I took my drink of water before oh, we started. Oh, man. Um, Damn me, I'm retarded. Well, that's what you get for doing podcasts at one thirty in the morning and shit. Yeah. Um, shit. Well, sorry if you couldn't understand this uh, up until like a minute ago. God damn, I'm dumb. Um, oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> hey, we've done worse. We have because I'm pretty sure we recorded like a twenty minute episode, and then you were like, "Wait, I wasn't recording," or something wasn't no, hooked no, up. Man, we put that out. It's just titled blooper. We got like two minutes into some movie, and I was just like, "Oh shit!" Like the it, the the board wasn't plugged in the laptop. Uh, that was out at Hudson's a fat minute ago. Mm. But that's the only time we've actually legitimately fucked up. Or we might have had an error one time where the, something with the audacity was not clicking in. Where it, like we just recorded it straight to the computer audio microphone instead of the board. But uh, I digress. Back to hateful eight. Um, I lost my train of thought. Um. Sorry. Well, we, we were talking about uh, the letter in Mannix. Yeah, and him ribbing the fuck out of Kurt Russell's character. Yeah, like I, uh, this will be funny to listen to in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's that that effect where we sound like we're in a the well where Hopefully all the bodies so. got dumped. A uh, shout out to to Ob uh, in this movie. Yeah, besides from the the haberdashery people that got murdered. Probably the most innocent one out of uh, the eight. Yeah, Ob did not uh, deserve to die the way he died. Yeah, th- this movie's this movie is I don't know. He Tarantino's not afraid to kill off major characters in very violent ass ways at any given moment. Yeah, and he really shows that in this one. Um, like, hearing a thing. Um, where, at the time, I guess when they were shopping Pulp Fiction around the script, people loved it, like the studios. And I guess you have to realize, like, from their perspective, like, a lot of studio people were reading Pulp Fiction and be like, dude, you're killing the main character halfway through, talking about when Travolta gets capped. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that would be weird to read it on paper. It's like, bam, he gets gunned down in the middle of the fucking script. Yeah. And falls back in the bathroom. But, um, yeah, no. Always an edge of the seat thing with Tarantino because he loves killing characters. Yeah, because uh, Kurt Russell's character and Ob go out puking blood, and it's violent, and it looks like it hurts. And fairly early on, to once we get into the haberdashery, yeah, only one person, or I guess two, before Kurt Russell Ob dies. I think technically before Kurt Russell, because it looked like Ob started vomiting violently faster. Yeah. I think he drank the coffee a little quicker. And then the old man. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they'd already killed the general. Yeah, I was say, but still. I th- It just happened shortly after because OB had, was one of the ones that was made to go outside. Body. Yeah, so he instantly went to the coffee. Yeah, like, uh, and again, the first time I watched this, I remember thinking, like, all right, Kuros was probably going to make it pretty far. And then, nope. No, I hated it. I, like, I, I was just like, oh, man, come on. I liked 
Joe was it? It wasn't Joe Ruth. Uh, John Ruth. John Ruth. Yeah, that was a cool character. Kurt Russell did a great job. Epic facial hair. Yeah. Epic jacket. Epic elbows to Domergue's face. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Uh, and and honestly, just funny. Oh, Poor yeah. shit. Yeah. Which when he was super paranoid, but he he had a right to be. He had a right to be. Like, and was totally right. Yeah, a hundred percent right. Because he was like, "There's probably more than one of them." And she was worth a uh, ten, yeah, grand. So he was like, "Shit, I don't know." It's a lot of money back then. Him and Warren could have had their own spinoff movie. Them just just going off and bounty hunting. Yeah, and then meeting up for that. It could have ended with that steak dinner. Yeah. Um, and again, too, I even like that, uh, you know, he points it out. I'm running into a lot of fucking people in a blizzard I know. Yeah. Because he knew who Chris Manx was, and he obviously knew uh, Samuel Jackson's character, Major Warren. But he didn't know uh, anyone else to habit- Habitatry. I guess he he never really acted like he knew who Minnie was. Yeah, he didn't act like he knew him, but fucking... Samuel Jackson sure as hell did. Yeah. And uh, I guess he didn't recognize, which I kind of you know thought he would recognize some of the others being a bounty hunter. And I figured uh, Samuel Jackson might have too. Yeah, you would think and if he knew they were part of the Domingue gang. Yeah. Because uh, when Samuel L. Jackson finds out later characters, he's like, oh yeah, I know who that is. Kind of, or it seemed like he kind of had that, like, oh, yeah, that's like, Marco the Mexican? Yeah, like he had heard of him, but he never... Because like, he obviously didn't trust uh, Marco. Senior Bob Senior slash Bob. Marco. They, he, he didn't trust him to begin with, which I, I feel like he should have told... Way earlier. Way earlier. At least tell uh, John Ruth. Yeah. At least tell him, like, take him to the side, like... Leave Darmergu the fuck up, you know. Leave her back, yeah, and just go tell him like, hey, I think, I think something fucky's going on. Because I, I pointed to you, I never noticed that, but like he notices the second he walks into the haberdashery, like the candy on the floor, yeah. Like he started doing some like candy on the floor, the missing, the fifth jar of candy that wasn't up there anymore. Yeah, he was doing some Sherlock Holmes and immediately, yeah, which he and out in the stable too, yeah, which he does like roll that out eventually but it's almost too late because he he loses his nuts after that like shortly after that yeah which is sucked like it was hard to watch oh yeah uh, everyone everyone catches a fucking bullet most people in this movie catch a fucking bullet yeah like uh that was the thing too he's such a powerful character he instantly became a weak character because he got shot in the nuts yeah and uh again Taron I would I mean yeah I would probably be even even shittier or he just went in from such control of the situation to instantly oh shit yeah which again tarantino hey i'm first time i saw it, i know there's gonna be no guy in the basement i didn't either i, no, I didn't know there's a basement and i didn't even think there would be zero people walking out of this this whole movie yeah because there's not no one gets and i don't feel bad one. spoiling it because this is this movie came out of eight years ago yeah yeah, it's just a big shocker that nobody lives. Yeah, no one gets a happy ending. No. But, you know, I will say this. You would not think Chris Mannix and Major Warren would be the buddy cops by the end of it. Yeah, because there's a lot of a lot of 
lot of post Civil War racism getting thrown around, and a lot of a lot of N words and uh, hard R's. Even um, fucking people are not necessarily it's not necessarily a white and black and thing white and black thing because you find out post death for a character that she didn't like no Mexicans according to Samuel Jackson. Yeah, she liked everybody but Mexicans is what she said or what he said about many. Which she, I guess back then you could just hate whoever you wanted. I mean, I mean it, was, it, was, it was cool. The Hateful Eight. Yeah. <laughs> I said the title. <laughs> he did. He said it. He said it. Actually, I'm not going to lie. The first time I saw this, I was I did think, are they actually going to be like, well, I guess we're just a Hateful Eight. I thought if there's one Tarantino movie where they're going to say the title, besides Jackie Brown and Kill Bill. Jackie, never say Jack, Jackie Brown don't count. That's her, that's her fucking name. I know, but you they still say the you title. You can't not say her, the, her fucking name. And she does at least say, I'm going to kill Bill and kill Bill. Yeah. And they never call themselves, uh, they never call themselves Inglorious Bastards and Inglorious Bastards. And they never I, say, I thought Jack- they called themselves the Bastards. Yeah, they call themselves the Bastards, but they never say we're Inglorious Bastards is what I was getting at. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. And, uh, they never actually say Django Unchained, but he was Unchained. Yes, and he was Django. Yes. Uh, Even though other Django was there, too. And they never say uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which kind of puts that Django in a bad light if he was just hanging out with in Candyland. Like. Well, that was just Frank Nero. I don't, what was his name was something else in that. But yeah, I know you're talking about he played Django in the Spaghetti Western. Oh, I thought that's who he was supposed to be. I thought he was supposed to be that character. No, I thought they were just having a Frank Nero cameo. They said his name, I thought, but I could be wrong. Oh, I have no idea. I, I, don't, I, I knew I don't who know. that was at the time. I was like, oh, it's Frank Nero. He was also, um, remember Die Hard 2? The general that um, William Sadler's trying to get from custody? He plays that general in the second Die Hard that's like coming in on the plane to the airport the whole time. Oh, okay. And then yeah. William Sadler from Demon Knight is the colonel trying to get him out. And then, of course, a big twist in 2, which we did an episode in Die Hard 2, is... Go back and listen to it. I always like that one because I I like you like Demon Knight and William Sadler's Red in Demon Knight with his blood. But uh, back to Hateful Eight. Uh, do you want to rate it and get out of here, man? Or yeah, that I can't. I you know. I mean, this really is like a, a stage play, almost. Honestly, it's it's got slow burn. There's only Tarantino only does one flashback. Yeah, which is very. Very, uh, what am I trying to say, limited for him because he likes, he even does little ones all the time. Like yeah. in, in a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the flashback to the Bruce Lee fight, flashback to Dalton learning the flamethrower, flashback to him maybe killing, uh, his Cliff wife, killing his wife on the boat. Um, you know, he'll just do them real quick like that too. Like, where it's not necessarily a long one, this one is a longer one, but still, it's like the one time he, it's the most narrative movie I think he does. In terms of without using a flashback, like straightforward narrative. Yeah, and honestly, if there was at least if one of these characters, well, if one of these characters that was being themselves and not pretending to be somebody else had just been a little bit more trusting, at least one person might have lived through this movie. Which one? I'm just curious. Uh, it would either be Warren or or uh, Ruth. Oh, okay, I got you. I could see one of them coming out. I thought you meant if one of the gang members might have been a little bit like similar, no, nah, they nah, might have made it. Nah, just not the gang members. They're just they're shitty. They get to die. I thought the best one out of the gang members was uh, 
Tim Roth. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he would have maybe been the best one to be like, if he just would have betrayed his gang out of nowhere. I don't know who they are. Just because he's British. I think he could have slick been like, nah, I'm with y'all. Like, if he would have double-crossed. Yeah, because much like the letter, I, that British accent. It's tricky. Disarming. It, no, really, Charming. right? Like, you get where I'm coming from? Yeah. He was the best dressed. He actually had... The best back fake story. He never got shitty with anyone. Yeah, he was very polite. Even and he, he tried disarming fights too. Even after getting fucking gut shot, he's still pretty fucking cool. Like cordial, cordial. Because like, of course, because like at one point he's he's setting up in a chair because he was like laying on the ground screaming, and then they do a shot where they like pan the camera to like Domergu real quick, and you see him sitting in the chair, and I was like, who the fuck is that and then they got, cut back to him tight he's you know in the conversation i was like oh shit i was like i he's forgot crawled back over there i guess i was like i forgot he lives for a little bit longer like and he, he was sort of nice about maybe even dying like remember we told chris you can take my body yeah because i'll probably die in the next two days which is very likely yeah which i mean you think he'd be intelligent enough to realize or to know that you know fucking maddox ain't making it out either oh yeah um but uh, you know, still, still gut shot and being like, "Hey, if if I die, you can just turn my body." I'm in. worth fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, which he was worth a little bit more than even Daisy, which I thought was funny. Yeah, because Joe Gage and everyone else was worth ten, except for Jody. He was worth was it like fifty or thirty thousand or some shit. I forget the number. Jody had a big fat number, right? I think he did. Chris, Cause Cause, Chris just because he was the leader. Yeah, just because he's the leader, like it's his his name of or he's the gang's named after him. What about Jody? He's worth whatever. Can I have his body? I just remember I liked a Chris fucking with her kind of. Yeah. At that point, uh, but yeah, for me, uh, Walton Goggins steals the show a little bit on this one for me. Oh, uh, him and him, once Kurt Russell dies, him and uh, him and Sam Jackson's chemistry is just so good. so beautiful. Like I'd love to see them both in a movie. Yeah. Together. Wong Goggins is just funny, too. He's funny in everything he does. But he's good at being serious and shit I've seen, too. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Because uh, he's the funniest motherfucker on uh, Righteous Gemstones. But you want to rate this one and get out of here, Bubba? What, what rating would you give it? It's kind of a toughie. I think I will give it a 9 out of 10. Which, no known secret, I like Quentin Tarantino's movies. It just it takes him a little bit to get to the haberdashery. Not that that's bad. And again, I don't know why they did the, he did the the episode cut version of this for Netflix, which I've watched that too. It didn't really add enough for me. I, I like this. Just we watch it the straight Blu-ray of this. I like this the two hour forty seven minute cut. Two hour forty seven minute cut. Uh, but again, I don't dislike a, a, a slow burn or anything. And Again, I really think this could have, been, could have been a play, and me and Matt discussed about um, doing the Community Children's Theater of Hateful Eight, which would be hilarious if all the parents would sign off on it. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, total uncut. I'll give it an eight, eight and a half dangling Domergoos out of ten dangling Domergoos. Very nice. Because not a perfect movie. There, like I said, there are some things I wish they'd have done with it. That they didn't, but it's still great. It's still a great cast, right? Great story, and 
fucking hilarious at times. Oh yeah, all and, then, and then utterly violent as fuck. Yeah, QT Staples. Yeah, B- shit being funny that's not supposed to be funny that's hilarious, and then just outright violence out of nowhere. Yeah, but uh, you want to get out of here and hit this blizzard, man? Yeah, well, we'll catch y'all on the next one. Bye, bye.